0: Find their written and premium audio content at UTHDynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose.
1: Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now.
0: Welcome to Under the Helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. Got Katie Flower here. I am Chad Parsons, official show of UTHDynasty.com. Support the show by becoming a general manager subscriber all the tools you need. You get a trade calculator trial as well as rankings and articles, 250 plus premium podcasts each year to drive your best dynasty seasons in front of you. And Katie, we are still doing some rookie draft talk. Um, I wanted to lead out uh, in this show this week with uh, looking at sort of overarching bird's eye view of the drafts you have done so far. And What type, you know, what has been one of your most common themes? Has it been centering around two or three specific players that you've been trying to move to those zones? Has it been playing tiers? And here's the kind of general tiers I've been operating through with a best player best value within those zones? Has it been a certain type of trade you've been trying to make? Um, or has it been a certain position that you've been exploiting as a theme throughout your your rookie drafts? So What's kind of stood out where I'm sure at least half, if not more, you're probably in a similar boat to me, have been already completed for your uh, dynasty portfolio?
1: I'd say probably a third or so of my drafts are completed and several more about ready to start this week and then more stragglers throughout the summer, which is nice. I like to see them spread out. I even had a few that were before the NFL draft. So it's really neat to see the difference in the ADP, but you have to adjust and stay flexible. Um, Some of the moves that I've been making post NFL draft, like I don't like to be at the beginning of a tier and there, there's a big tier of wide receivers in my opinion, once you get past Jamar Chase, then there's a conglomeration that anywhere from two through six or seven, depending on your team and the strength of your team and whether or not you have to hit on that player right away or, or not, and hopefully you're not relying on a rookie in year one, but I'm of, I'm of two minds in this year's draft. Number one, this running back class this week, I've been saying it for a long time. Outside of the top three, I'm not willing to press somebody else up into service uh, just because, quote-unquote, need a running back. And on the other hand, I'm also not inclined to take the beginning of a tier or the early stages of a tier after DeMar Chase. So if I have the 106, 107, and... Kyle Pitts and all, you know, the top three running backs and it's a one quarterback and no quarterbacks have been taken. If I absolutely have to stay and pick, I may even take Trevor Lawrence at that spot, uh, 107, 108 in that range, as compared to taking the wide receiver two or three off the board. uh, If I can't trade back now, I will try to get a future first and then plus something to trade back, I've been successful in the late first, early second, and this is a good example to our listeners of why you want to take best player available. Um, the guy in front of me took Kenneth Gainwell. I do not think they were the best player available, and it dropped Rashad Bateman to me at you know the 13th overall pick. I like Rashad Bateman a lot. But he also goes a lot earlier in drafts, and I found somebody that liked him a lot more than I did, and I got two future firsts, one in 22 and one in 23. And I'm willing to make that trade and push off to the future because wide receiver is important, but depending on the league, it's somewhat expendable to to a certain extent,
0: especially especially depth too. Right. I mean, let's not, let's not go over our skis. You're drafting, you know, any one of these wide receivers and you have cornerstone hopes for them aspirations, and you shouldn't be taking them if you don't see that, but it's also, you know, they're down the dial, right. Uh, Let's be realistic, becoming a true go-to guy, lock and load for, you know, a a crest of time during their peak. That's not within a lot of wide receivers' range of outcomes if we're being frank
1: about it. Exactly, exactly. And you can be Chad, I can be Katie, we can both be frank, uh, however you want to play it. but uh, yeah, I mean, again, I would not have had that opportunity had the person in front of me not taken a road pick. So you know, I in this year's draft, I haven't been trading up a lot. Unless I've been a really deep team already and I just want to splurge a little bit and get the call pits or splurge a little bit and get Jamar Chase or splurge a little bit and make sure I lock in either Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. In Superflex, right now, the trend I've been seeing is that Zach Wilson and Mac Jones have become the value and I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to wait on that value. I had one draft where I owned most of the first round and was able to navigate it fairly well, getting the guys that I wanted to get. And one guy wanted to trade to the to the 108 and took it for granted that because I already had lots of quarterbacks that I wasn't going to take a quarterback with that pick. And I took Justin Fields at 108 because he was the best player available. And then he got mad at me and was like, well, you don't even need a quarterback. It's like, Okay. So you want to trade you, you do need a quarterback. And he ended up trading even more to get Mac Jones, which I was like, you could have gotten Justin Fields for less than what you just paid for Mac Jones. I hope you realize you didn't even come back to me with a counter. And unfortunately some, sometimes that's what happens too. So um well, just to highlight
0: that, because you say that all the time that I think you've said it two or three times in the past, maybe six weeks, uh, if memory serves, where if you miss out on a player, you know, and you like to, again, get the shares, try to get the picks. So you're, you're referencing another owner that did not get the pick, for example. And I have the same setting in, in one of my leagues where, you know, you, you took their guy to some extent, whatever the spot, whatever the player and they're in reaction mode and we talk about that in this in startup drafts uh a decent amount where ah i got sniped that could be a position could be a specific player ah you know things didn't go my way and reeling and going above and beyond of saying well i'm going to fix it well you already to some extent the the boat sailed i mean that that, the just justin fields Got drafted by Katie, and, like you mentioned, like the catch up move was well, let me go above and beyond and quote unquote fix quarterback and go after mac jones and I was in a, a setting where someone got cute, they traded down, and I took their guy, and they didn 't like it we they ended up paying more than just sitting there and taking the like I gave up so much marginal stuff to to move up, and the fact that they had one guy in mind. They got cutesy. They tried to play the ADP game in a zone where it's pretty ambiguous. And that's what you get. That's what you get. And you you said before, don't sit there and pay the tax after. So we're talking about scenarios where it it wasn't us. It was somebody else, but we were involved. And paying that tax right after, it's typically not going to be a straight upward scenario for very many players where you don't have a secondary buy. And just to reiterate applying here that that you've said that quite a bit in shows, whether it's a startup draft or rookie draft show of, okay, you missed out uh, on whatever your plan A was or a specific player in a specific zone, you missed out, but you have to say, now what? And the now what isn't, let's go into catch up mode and try to fix it as soon as possible because that groundwork was already, uh, was already laid and you can address it at a later point, but right after when it's fresh and the wound is out there, uh, is probably when you're going to be most emotional uh, trying to address it.
1: Yeah, it's like playing, you know, Texas Hold'em poker, and you go on tilt after you uh, had a hand that should have been a sure thing, but you blew it, and then you you just push all in on the next hand, but just because you're still pissed off at yourself for the previous mistake. You just you cannot let emotions drive your draft and you have to be flexible, flexible in dynasty fantasy football, no matter whether it's during the draft in a trade before, you know, like a lot of people right now are trying to fix positions that really were three months away before you have to start a lineup. So why do you want to why do you want to fix your running back? position. Now you don't even know that that guy is going to be healthy and ready to go at the beginning of the season right now. Same thing with, with pretty much any position, unless you get a really square deal that has more upside and dynasty upside that even if the person does get injured, you're still going to feel good from a dynasty perspective that they're on your roster. That's, that's completely fine. That's completely different, but just stay steady through the whole thing.
0: Yeah, and, and the thing that struck me is when you talked about, well, they need quarterback. Well, you can the need. I mean, and and this is up your alley because you say you know advice like this all the time. Where you know, well, what if you traded that Mac Jones pick for a veteran? You know, what if you traded that for Derek Carr, maybe, and something? You know, or what if you? I mean, there are actual starting right now help you quarterbacks available not that mac jones you know the likelihood that he goes all year without starting is pretty low historically speaking you know of a a guy drafted in his his nfl range that is going to get a true red shirt going all the way through and is cam newton the type that's going to be the one that keeps him there you know is he is he a level of quarterback that is going to keep mac jones on the sideline for that amount of time uh would be the other question and then the other part is know what other ancillary things i always i always say with team needs i mean start low level i mean is Tyrod Taylor on your waiver wire? You know, I mean, like, can you get a, you know, a couple better shots at a potential week one starter, a potential early season starter? That could be a backup quarterback. That could be, uh, you know, and it'd be, if it's really shallow, you may have potential starting week one options on the waiver wire. You may have priority backups depending on the depth. Uh, so that's always an exploratory point in those types of formats to say. You don't have to get a first-round cor- rookie quarterback and say this is me fixing my uh, my my quarterback need, you know. And, and a lot of times, you know, again, doing that in a rookie rookie draft is more of a long-range pipeline sort of thought, more so than I'm fixing my 2021 outlook because I'm drafting said rookie or two.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that I notice a lot of people. I'm not sure that I would call it a mistake, but it's it's sort of a mistake when when a player falls to you that shouldn't be at that pick. Let's say. Let's say it's Devonta Smith falls to the 112 and you know that they are usually in the 106, 107, 108 range. You may not even be the biggest fan of Devonta Smith, but that doesn't mean that you don't take advantage of the situation. If somebody wants to trade up for him. Don't trade the fact that it's the 112. Now it's Devonta Smith. Now you've got to trade to get that Devonta Smith value and whatever that means. But don't just sell the player short because it's the pick number 112 and this trade calculator says it's got this much value. You are now in the fortunate position to have a player that fell to your lap that has a higher value than the pick value. So trade to the value, not to the pick.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I was in that same situation. There was a, a league where I was at 112, um, I believe, and it was Jalen Waddle. He was the guy that made it. Uh, some quarterbacks started to go, um, it, despite being a, a one quarterback league. And I was sitting, absolute glaring beacon of light of, I think even Rashad Bateman went ahead of Waddle. And I'm sitting there, and I got and, and you kind of know when that moment occurs because you get a little more heat, a little more attention. You may shop picks, but when you come on the clock, you know, like you you check your emails, you're like, Oh, I'm on the clock, you know, and and correspondingly, you also see, you know, that you have two or three trade offers. So that means there is a consensus. And, and I've seen sometimes with those wide receivers, uh, typically it could be a, a, a Justin Fields and super flex situation, you know, or something like that, where it's a quarterback fading a little bit. Uh, but the, that later first round, when you get that opportunity and just what you said, I mean, you've, I, I was treating it like Jalen Waddle, you know, you're not treating it like one you're treating it like, yeah, this is a guy that usually goes, you know, six, seven, eight, you know, somewhere in that range most often. And and the fact that it's 12 is immaterial. So you need to view it as this is uh this is an earlier pick for sure, and was able to capitalize on it because you know, would I have taken him? Well, he was the best player available. So yes, if I did not find a deal I liked, yes, I would have taken Jalen Waddell. Um, he's not my favorite value play, but at 12, I think there is some equity as you were mentioning there. But now you have a pick at twelve that is worth more because people are gonna view that, and you should be as well, you know in that six seven eight range. I ended up making a uh, a trade to get uh, a couple of uh third round picks this year, and I got a first or second the following year because and it's from a team that they have minimal playoff hopes they're trying to rebuild, and I always find it interesting that their way to rebuild is let me cash in my future picks, which are unrealized value at this point and let me cash them in on a discount so that i can get a player now and especially getting a player now that a first round wide receiver uh one that does not have you know the best profile but obviously it has a lot of pedigree you could argue hey even if this is 103 next year i you know i'm i mean the best case is i'm getting a look at a top 10 wide receiver you know in the nfl that part is true but what I would say is early on, you, you want to gravitate towards running backs. So separate point there. Um, but I thought it was interesting, though, that some people choose to rebuild. And this was an example of cashing in their own highly valuable uh, to themselves, especially because now you're in season, you're not competitive. You don't have that solace of, well, I have my own picks at least. So now they're trying to do it in a catch up fashion uh, where I believe they didn't have a first round pick this year. So that was probably part of it. Feel left out a little bit, uh, but they were able to get waddle. uh, But like I said, I was able to get a poker chip uh, on a a profile that I wasn't digging, but now I have a first, a second, and then uh, two thirds this year, which I parlayed into a bunch of other stuff. And so uh, it was just one of those points where a bunch of different facets. But like you said, you have to value who's the player here. And especially identifying when you are the pretty girl at the dance of, well, there's a glaring player falling here. And Jordan and I were in that situation in Superflex, uh, no, in two quarterback a while back where we get to 106 and we kind of were, were a little perplexed that 105 was not Justin Fields. We sat there, uh, we would have taken Justin Fields, but it was absolutely a point to exploit of saying, everyone would universally think right here, this is the player on this pick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see it in real life in the NFL teams. If a player is sliding and sliding and somebody wants to trade up, they're not going to give you a discount just because XYZ player has fallen right to their laps. They're going to want the moon and they should get the moon for that player.
0: Um, And, I was also prompted um, on the uh, the football guys' uh, shark pool. Uh, there was a great discussion. And sometimes these are in passing. You know, They can be talking about trades. They can be talking about a variety of subjects. And one of them that... I mean, this has been as long as I have been in Dynasty, uh, that this sort of discussion, and it goes both ways, um, I think we're going to have a pretty interesting discussion here, breaking it down. Uh, I wanted to read a couple of highlight points. And this centered from... I want to say the bones of the deal. I can't remember the exact one. The bones around it were DeAndre Hopkins and CeeDee Lamb as the critical elements. So you've got a young wide receiver after a promising rookie season. You've got DeAndre Hopkins at 29 years old. One of the best wide receivers we've seen over the past five to 10 years uh, at the position. Productive, a variety of different settings and situations he's, he's had. And talking about this concept of recycling aging studs, so this would be DeAndre Hopkins in this, in this example, uh, uh, you know, looking for those, uh, those new, new players, those new future studs, or hey, we think they're studs already. Uh, so your production takes a hit, they were referencing, but you come out years ahead because you extend your window now entirely. Hopkins obviously at this point going forward is a production play he is not going to be a market or insulation roster value uh you know liquidity in the marketplace sort of asset at this point in time so you have a different prism a younger wide receiver or younger asset obviously offers ideally they're producing so they're they're Uh, lineup viable and offering uh, impact and upside there, but they also have some degree and, and more so than obviously a 28, 29 year old, a level of market insulation of saying, if I don't want CD lamb or if I want to move in a different direction. I have plenty of options. More of the market is going to be interested. More of my league mates are going to be interested in C.D. Lamb. So they were talking about uh, the opportunity to, again, extend your window. You're taking a a hit for right now. And the concept was built around, well, this is how monster teams, A, get built, and B, you never end up rebuilding because you're just reloading by shifting from a Hopkins type, or we could you know, make that a Michael Thomas type or uh, a Mike Evans type, or again, those types of older producers. Uh, and then again, the, the one, the last point here was just that, you know, a year two uptick guy shown to be viable already is basically like the top commodity in dynasty. So a lot to break down there. Uh, but what's just the general concept here of you, to to instead of rebuilding at a certain point in time, I got a bunch of old guys, and uh, you, you know you need to find your moments to recycle. What do you think about that concept?
1: Well, again, everything is is in context and balance is the key. If DeAndre Hopkins is your only old guy on the roster, and you're a contender. I'm fine with keeping him and keeping him until ride ride him into the sunset, because he eventually becomes a bridge player, and presumably, even if you've got the one ten through one twelve rookie pick every year, because you've got an older team and you've been in contention for three or four, five years in a row, if you are. In that spot, it's usually because you're a pretty good judge, and players have fallen to you. In the I mean, you, you can still get valuable rookie picks ten through twelve, even in an off year. There's still guys that fall there, whether it's because of perception or their draft capital or whatever the reason may be. There's there's always guys. So personally. If I've got three or four older receivers, let's say I've got Devontae Adams, I've got Mike Evans, and I've got DeAndre Hopkins, I'm fine with trading one of them. I wouldn't trade them straight up for Lamb. It would have to be a package. However, I'm more inclined to trade them for more pieces that I want one decent core piece that hasn't quote unquote hit. Like a lot of people think that CD Lamb has hit. And so you're paying maximum value for that player. But let's say it's a Brandon Ayuk who has less name cachet than CD Lamb. You get Ayuk and then you get a first and, and you get another piece. That helps mitigate the risk. You're still going to lose some production in the short term, but you still have the Mike Evans and Devontae Adams you still got two out of those three core veterans that you're keeping. I wouldn't return all of my guys at one time. I would do it, you know, just here's a piece and then plan, okay, next year, maybe I'll sell off this. People talk about production, like it's a guaranteed thing and it's not. And, and we've said this before, back when Jordy Nelson was that age and he was the stud, What happens if he gets an injury and the 28-year-old season is washed out? Then you're stuck with a 29-year-old coming off an injury with very little value. And and so a lot of under-the-helmet teams were built under the concept of trade your older veterans before they lose their value. But again, you don't want to make it a full team overhaul in order to stay strong you got two or three that are in that aging bucket and then you got two or three in the middling bucket and you got two or three that are simmering and you only need to start three in the first place. Well, then you're fine, but it's all about balance. In my opinion, you want to, you want to get strong and then you want to stay strong through balance
0: yeah, I would actually, I would add a couple points here that I'm really resistant, you know, when I when I like my wide receiver core, you know, and these guys that have been productive and, and the floor is so high on them in terms of their NFL role. I mean, so we could, and it is hard. It is hard to become a steady, dependable, put the offense around you wide receiver in the NFL. That is tough to sharpshoot. So you may think, that you've got the the eye spy, you know, little little monocle going straight at some of these younger wide receivers. But there are plenty of false positives. There are guys yeah. that level off. I remember, and there still are. So we're still waiting on this. But some people were like, "Oh, Terry McLaurin. Oh my gosh, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be a, a top ten guy." Well, we're still waiting. Um, I don't think it's going to happen this year either. Um, so there's plenty. of Corlin Sutton, right? you know also well so things can change and and I so the fact of if an NFL team changes over just like it could be running back it could be any position where they look at the team and they go all right well just take an example here so all right we have Corlin Sutton all right nice player you know last offseason all right what are we going to do here is he our alpha Uh, I don't know Well, what do they do they go into the draft oh we found ourselves Jerry Judy we found ourselves KJ Hamler you know and they're, they're still figuring out quarterback, but they found wide receivers they like. Now Sutton's coming back from an injury. But even pre that, you get two guys that you know go round two, round one, essentially over the top of Sutton in terms of pedigree, allegiance. Uh, and, and it's just so that can happen. You can be viewed as more of a wide receiver two type, a, a, a nice wide receiver two. Where do we sit with T Higgins? T Higgins was on top of the world in October, November. Right. And boy, Joe Burrow is going to come back. Things are going to be glorious. Things might be glorious. But what'd they do? We found ourselves a little, a little Jamar Chase there. Oh, that's pretty interesting. So how do you assess that? I mean, could Chase not work out? And the answer still is T Higgins. Absolutely. But this is the risk of what if you aren't the guy? What if it's really a one-two tandem? Does that siphon away some of this elite dripping upside that you think is just guaranteed to be there? And the other part I would say is if you want to have balance, like I actually have a team or two right now that... I don't have what you just mentioned, that proper mix that you would love to have. I got a couple of, you know, I got an Ayuk and, you know, some other younger wide receiver. He's like, I really like this. Uh, that could be a Rashad Bateman. You know, maybe you have Iuk and you drafted Bateman this year, not pressing it, but you just, you were in that zone and that was the best player. But what I like to do is if I'm really robust at running back, how about if a running back gets elevated, you could even trade, One of the hot guys for, you know, a running back and a a cornerstone, a wide receiver, that's not 22, but what if they're 24, 25? So you've already got probably at least a couple of strong data points that you like in their rear view mirror. And that could be a way to, again, maybe insulate yourself from, well, I got Adams and Evans and, you know, Allen Robinson. What if within the next two seasons, one of them is not really where they are today, I can backfill a little bit. What if I get a little bit younger, you know, with, with now a 24 year old, 25 year old, and I'm kind of resetting. And also I'm saying, what if this hot running back, you know, the profile isn't, and I'm kind of looking at you can makers who I really like, but you're white hot right now. And what if you just aren't this cornerstone workhorse, stay healthy, you know, monster workload guy, you know, an all around producer, all of a sudden now you're tripling your targets from a year ago. You got some work to do to really justify your cost. So what if you were to shift from a a running back like that to a younger wide receiver, so you can still stay tight with your top four, five, six wide receivers and say, hey, I'm deep. I got a lot of, 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 uh, what is it? A lot of, uh, Things in the oven. You know, a lot of things cooking there at running back. I got a lot of chances. I draft them as rookies. I've got some backups. I've got two or three projected week one starters. I feel good. And so if you find an opportunity to shift to wide receiver and then say, I'm still playing the volume game here, I feel fine. That's one thing I would say if you didn't want to shift directly from older wide receiver to younger wide receiver, I think there's some other options there. And you also mentioned one, just being open to wide receiver and it, even if it's not you know, with Jamar Chase early, getting looks later in the first round, I just don't want people to turn up their nose and say, eh, the market's a little tepid, so let me let me drop down in what I'm looking for because sometimes you get to this point and already, Hopkins helped you last year. Evans helped you last year. Robinson and Adams, these guys helped you last year. So to think that you flip them in season when they're producing and at their 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 peak, now you get to the off season, is this really the time? Not really. You know, they're not the sexy guys. CD Lamb far hotter. Guys like DK Metcalf. These are the profiles that are highly regarded now in addition to rookies. So really I wouldn't want people to run away from that because you're a contender. You've got contending pieces, and so I would look to maybe resculpt. And then also, you know, what if you were able to get, you know, a, a younger wide receiver by trading just picks alone? So that's another aspect that you could also utilize of not going after a 21 22 year old entering the nfl but you could also entertain trading for a 23 24 25 existing player that's already built some profile but yet everybody is going to be hot for jamar chase or waddle or smith etc that they're resetting the clock and frankly elevating their risk level
1: Well, there's always going to be guys too, like Cole Beasley. And this year, I think Tyrell Williams and maybe even Brashad Perriman and Nelson Aguilar. Uh, Aguilar is now with the Patriots. They need wide receivers. Do you really think he's not going to get a lot of targets? I mean, cheap. You can get this dude for almost free off waiver wire. Same thing with Tyrell Williams and same thing with Brashad Perriman. Cole Beasley, nobody cares. You could offer a third or a fourth, and you could get Beasley without even sneezing. And, and so a lot of people over, overrate the young wide receivers. And if they're not going to get a lot of targets, they're just going to end up being roster cloggers. Like I love Christian Kirk, but he, he I love James Washington, but are they ever going to really be anything other than depth? Doesn't They're not going like, to be a starter.
0: Doesn't it feel like this season we're getting dreadfully close to those types of guys in their career arc getting cut in like a 25-man roster? If you just wait them out, I mean, you might be able to explore, hey, you know, I think they might get moved. They might be in a new team setting. And that's the type of guy you get to November, December, and you're like, all right, I, I'm in a position. I can, I can take a shot here with a roster spot, you know, or a throw into a trade. As opposed to, like you said, I mean, you're kind of holding and trying to navigate these waters and that story, that situational story. I mean, I go over this all the time where it's like, what are you expecting? I mean, they're not the go-to guy. You've got a quarterback that's okay, not elite. So the odds of them fueling multiple quality fantasy receivers is not good. And, And I think people are just overzealous when you start stacking things up. It's like, okay, you think Joe Burrow is... You know, a, a top eight dynasty quarterback. You think he's a top eight quarterback for this year? It's like, ah, well, no. Okay, so he's not a tier one guy. And now it's like, what's going to happen with Chase and, Chase and, uh, uh, and Higgins? Well, you know, something's going to happen because they're not both. You know, and you got Tyler Boyd there. So there's going to be a massive loser. There's going to be with where they're going right now. There's going to be a massive loser if Burrow is not like this giant elevator and having a massive breakout season. So, I just, those kind of uh, analysis points can really guide you to is this something I want to invest in as a buyer? Is this something I should maybe explore selling uh, right now? And, and kind of what's my trajectory here if I think this year is not going to be a all hands on deck? You know, I mean, I think, for example, Dallas last year, all three wide receivers were absolutely lineup viable and and impactful. Michael Gallup was tremendously underrated. Why? Dak Prescott was going bonkers. So that's what it takes to have two or three wide receivers. A guy going absolutely bonkers.
1: Yeah, and one word of caution to our listeners. You may have heard me say this before, but it's it's been a while. Don't be a fiddler if you don't have rookie picks in this year's draft because you traded them last year or whatever. Don't fiddle with your lineup to figure out veterans that you can trade to just to get picks, just to get the shiny new toy. That's a pick whore. And I had somebody the other day that is already, it's a Debbie league and 24 Debbie were taken this year was the startup. So 24 Debbie are already off the board. And they offered me AJ Dillon, Christian Kirk, and their sixth round rookie Debbie pick for my first round rookie Debbie pick. And I immediately smash accepted AJ Dillon, especially at it's point per carry and uh, point per uh, first down. And, and uh, so it's like, I'll take AJ Dillon. And then I get the bonus of Christian Kirk, and I get a later pick, which is, you know, who knows it's still Debbie valuable,
0: rookie. right? It's, still, Debbie, it's right? still
1: valuable. Right. Exactly. And, and, They're just trying to stockpile picks to stockpile picks. They just recently picked up Jerry Judy in the startup draft and then traded him away for the Debbie pick that became Traylon Burks. If Traylon Burks is a top 15 wide receiver, that's a wash because so was Jerry Judy. And by the time you get Traylon Burks in the top 15, now all of a sudden you want the next shiny new toy. You're going to sell him for whatever, like that's fiddling too much. It That's, really is a
0: bad habit that, that some, I, I see, I, especially in Debbie leagues, I see one to two in most leagues, at least one and maybe two times sometimes where they do that recycle. They just keep recycling to the picks. And at some point you got to say, this guy's a cornerstone guy and this is what I'm building everything for. This is why I have picks to get eventually players like this.
1: Can you imagine if Denver does trade for Aaron Rodgers what that would do to Jerry Judy's stock right now. And and that's without even getting on the practice field since the startup draft. Like so much can change just in the next three months with, with the value. And as much as I do love Traylon Burks, he's one of my razorbacks. Still, he he's got to be top 15 in the NFL to even match what Judy's already done.
0: He's really risky. He's yeah. really risky because he's got to post you know, a good season, which he has, uh, who's the other guy at Arkansas again, that was at hurt this last year coming back.
1: Trey Knox. Yeah.
0: Trey Knox. So Trey Knox is going to come back. You know, he, you know, rewind 12, 24 months. It was Trey Knox, you know, as the guy, you know, that was producing at a young age. So we'll see there. Uh, and again, they're not the most high flying offense out there passing wise. So AZA, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I, I mean,
0: they're really elite, <laughs> but not quite as elite as other teams.
1: The, they uh, <laughs> no, They finally have a coach that's going no, to I I think uh, but the, the
0: point is, I mean, so even if he does, let's say he does get a first round pedigree, he still hasn't, he's still not on the success track. So there's so much, so many hurdles in that example of Jerry Judy to be, I mean, you're just elevating the chances that you completely with. You're elevating the chances of the worst case outcome because of, of the profiles you're shifting there. Um, and my final point, um, and I'll pass it back to you uh, just for for one more opportunity here to close the show, is you know you mentioned the point about trading back in, and you kind of have to know you know when to hold them and when to fold them because I've had a couple of drafts where I used my meaningful capital, and by that I mean you know a first round pick could be first and second round pick how did I use that a year ago? I said, I love these running back profiles. So I utilized that to get more of the player, you know, th- that enabled me, you know, trading my first round pick for this year. I said, okay, I'm a good team. I don't usually do this, but I really like this profile. It enabled me to get another share of J.K. Dobbins, you know, or it enabled me to get two of the big five running backs instead of just one. And so that was a decision I made. Now, if you're sitting here, it's like, well, my first pick is until the third round. Yeah, you have target players. You have players you like, but you can't go to the well and trade future first again because you're not going to get bang for your buck. At best, you're going to trade a pick that could turn mid or early, no matter how you think of your team. For a late first. That's the best you can do. So you're already at negative equity. And then the other option is you're trading players for picks. And you mentioned it in passing, but I just want to point out you might have players you want to sell, but don't do it that way. You might sit there and go, eh, I'm not a big Joe Mixon fan. Guess what? I'm not either. I have some shares though. He's a starting running back on a team that could be, you know, good as a passing unit, Joe Burrow coming back, Mixon's going to be the clear cut starter. You don't throw dirt on that. You don't throw dirt on that and just try to run away. You know, so you may have guys you're looking to sell, but sometimes on the clock in the rookie draft, everyone is rookie crazy. That is not the time to make some of these big, bold, brandish moves. It really isn't. And so if you're sitting there and you're like, all right, let me package two or three things together. A couple of them would be guys in your lineup right now, if you're setting the lineup and it's like, let me get a poker chip, you know, on, on this certain player. Like in general, those do not go well. Those are not good process outcomes because you're trading again, non, you know, non-premium players and assets at this time of year, which is the veteran. The veteran existing NFL and fantasy player for the white hot rookie pick to get on the clock, you know, where they just pick somebody we talked about in the beginning of the show. That's not the time to, you know, oh, they sniped me on Kyle Pitts. I really wanted that. Whether you had a later pick or you have no picks, Oh, Pitts just went. I want them. And now you create some package and send offers. Again, none of this is good process. And it's a long-term game. I know we get into thinking about today and this week and you know this coming week for the regular season lineup and all that kind of stuff. But you still have to think of the big picture of, okay, I'd like to acquire more shares of this player. That's great. But it may not happen in this league with this other owner that now has that one share. So just be careful about the whole trading back into the draft because if you're too far away, this is different than trading from 108 to 106 or 201 to 111 to get somebody. Like this is the last guy I want in this tier. It drops off. I want to try to make a move up. Not what we're talking about. And also you can use rookie picks. I love if you want to use rookie picks and consolidate, get the right players that you want. I'm all for it. Trade your first and second to move up in the first round and get the player you actually want. I'm all for that. That's great stuff. But when you start compromising your existing team by trading a player away plus a pick or a couple players away to get into a zone to get a player that really doesn't fit you know some massive criteria of churn and recycling, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, just be careful about thinking about the rookie draft and getting back in in such a fashion.
1: There are three players from last year's draft. And there may be more for you. There may be more for other people. But if I'm sitting on the clock at 201 and Kadarius Tony is there and Elijah Moore and maybe even Rashad Bateman are there. And while I like Elijah Moore and Rashad Bateman, I'm not a Kadarius Tony. Most people already know. I don't believe in Kadarius Tony. But if you're sitting there in the early second and let's say that somebody wants to trade up but they don't want to trade their future first. They have a, they have a back half of the second. I would target a guy like AJ Dillon or Jerry Judy or Jalen Rager and ask for them plus their second for that 201. It's just like getting a future first, but you're getting last year's first or, you know, early second and they've already got one year under their belt I think that there's no question in my mind that if Aaron Jones were to get injured or banged up that AJ Dillon could carry the entire workload if he had to. And I think he's still going to get decent amount of work. Jamal Williams got decent amount of work in that offense. Jerry Judy, I think is an asset that will be rising and Jalen Rager, the jury's still out, but a lot of it was injury related and just, misfunction, malfunction on that team. So again, if you've got an owner that is hesitant to trade a future first and you've got that early second and they still want to make a deal, look for one of those assets from last year or even the year before that hasn't quite hit yet that you were high on that they're now probably low on and they see the shiny new toy. That's just another great way to make a trade happen.
0: Yeah. And, and I love what you said. Uh, and that'll all cascade it to, to, to the final couple sentences here that, yeah, the trade back, you know, especially when, you know, you can like some guys, but you don't really love anybody. Like you got to run to the podium, especially when you get beyond the top, you know, five, six, seven, say uh, of the, of the draft itself. And, but yeah, like you said, you can move back, get a player, get a pick you know, if they are resistant, you know, to give a future first, uh, but you can still get a package together uh, moving down in the second round, or maybe it's moving from the late first to the early to mid second. You're like, ah, moving down a little bit, but like you said, you're picking up, you know AJ Dillon or Reger, or you know, these types of profiles that you still like, they're still in the early part of their developmental curve, and yet they're old news uh, to a lot of people. Uh, great stuff there! And uh, for Katie Flower, she is at FF underscore Skyler 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder that uh, instead of advertising, go straight through with pure dynasty discussion here on this show. Support it by going to slash UTH, signing up, you get. Uh, free features, including uh, a weekly featured show with uh, Tim Torch. Uh, some bonus content out there. There's a VIP strategy session a couple times a month in the offseason. Do it weekly uh, there in the in-season, talking about waiver wires, trading, uh, everything you need. So that's patreon.com UTH. And you can sign up and support the show uh, by becoming a general manager subscriber over at utc.com. So for Katie, myself, Chad Parsons, good luck in your rookie drafts uh, that are out there here mid and later May here. Gave a lot of strategy points, macro discussion, which again, sets the table for your success on how you're thinking about rookie picks as assets and as tools. And I think this is a very important class to look at it in a variety of directions and not simply, who do I take with this pick? There's a lot lot more options that you have when you're on the clock uh, or just in your draft than simply, what player do I select? So until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep holding those benefits.